Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. I'm gonna go get me a biscuit. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Rich and Bellelli gather remotely to assess the ever-shifting new normal and further ponder how we can best deal with our shared collection of uncertainties, including getting in front of those looming food shortages by learning to grow a little food yourself. The complexity of crafting solutions that can lead to dozens of unanticipated new problems. Dildo sales way up during our stressful times. Plus a visit to the digital mailbag. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 179, episode two of the apocalypse versions. I'm hiding inside my meditation tent here in lovely Oxnard. We've got amazing weather today after lots of rain. And um, unfortunately, we have to do these remotely. Bellelli is not far from here. I can actually see the giant scrape that glows orange and pink like 90 days out of the year at sunset over there uh, north of me, freshly arrived in your new location. And uh, I hope your move wasn't too difficult. No, I mean, I've been working like a dog. In fact, I spent like one day just staring at the ceiling afterwards because I've been lifting crazy amounts of weight for the past few days. But uh, it's and, most and carrying them up three stories to get to the truck. Yeah, it's not fun, but you know it's done. Yeah, in fact, it's funny because the the distance from the street to the house is so much shorter in the new place. So I was like, "Why did this thing kill me on the way loading up the truck?" And he's like, "Because there's a long <laughs> way from the house to the street, whereas now there isn't. That changes things quite a bit." But in any case, it's mostly done in Ojai, California now. Just a bit outside of LA, which helps right now. But um, let's say some quick thank you to those nice folks keeping us in business, starting with the Absolutely. awesome people at Onnit who have been so good to us. Onnit.com forward slash Taoist. Again, onnit.com forward slash Taoist to get an automatic discount on their supplements, which is, as far as industries that are not hard hit, supplements are definitely high on the list because everybody wants to load up on stuff to boost their immune system. So I'm sure those guys are doing well. Uh, yeah. Other industry that's not doing badly, grasslandbeef.com. Uh, oh. Everybody's stocking up on uh, food and online even more so. So those guys have been swamped with orders. Again, check them out at grasslandbeef.com. Even if the stuff you want is not there right now, it probably will be in the near future. So those guys have been great to us. I've been holding on to that ground that ground bison for as long as I could for the right moment. Yep. And uh, we made tacos with it the other night. It was so great. Yeah. My bison tacos sound rather happy. Comfort apocalypse yep. food. I dig it. Yep. 
Then, Fantastic. Sorry, please continue. Then uh, we got, what I, oh well, of course, Shore Design t-shirts. Those guys are sweet. They are awesome. I haven't talked to them in forever, but I hope they are doing great. So shoredesigntshirts.com. And then the usual stuff with us. You know, if you guys want to get any of our own t-shirts, there we have four design of Drunken Taoist t-shirts. If you are now doing most of your shopping online, because you don't want to get out of the house and be surrounded by zombies, use our Amazon link. <laughs> it is dbamazing.com. <laughs> dbamazing.com. You know, I saw somebody just got... Uh, they order four tomahawks on Amazon. Now, I'm surprised it wasn't me, because that's the kind of stuff that I would do, but whoever you are, I'm very proud of your four tomahawks. That was epic, and you used our link. That was extra sweet. So Maybe they've joined a, an axe-throwing league, so they have their three primaries and their backups. Yeah, that stuff is always helpful. I think that's it. Why don't we jump into the episode? Here we go! I think this is the best way to do it. Just have everybody record locally and then plug them together. Yeah, I am um, morally against uh, long-distance podcast. I think especially when in conversation is so important to be in the same room. But we yep. live in during the apocalypse, so we don't have too many other alternatives, apparently. So this is the way it's going to be for a little bit. Yep. It sadly is the way to do, you know, as I'm fond of saying, if you're not at risk of smelling somebody's fart, you're not really talking to them. <laughs> right. So, but, you know, apparently, apparently this is the new gig. Now, of course, you know, the dominant feeling in this period for me, for you, for everyone is just one of incredible uncertainty. Yep. Now, there are some people who are clearly struggling in the present, like the day things were shut down they were out of work or they were out of money and all of that and that of course sucks horrendously because that's you know you're in immediate crisis mode with no end in sight it's not exactly like it's great for everybody else because even if you're not even if you know let's say your present is good like okay you have enough money in the bank there's the refrigerator is full there are no zombies at the door that's a great start. Certainly beats the alternative of if you don't have food in the fridge or money in the bank or there are zombies at the door. Yeah. But still, the feeling of uncertainty is one that we all share because none of us has any clue what the world is going to look like two months from now, three months from now, six months from now. So that's that's kind of the gig that we're all dealing with. What's your uh, What's your approach to it all? So far, so good. I tell you what, I feel I'm sort of like the 2.30 in the morning person when that anxiety kind of creeps in and all the bad thoughts jumble together. And it's like, what the fuck is going to happen? Uh-huh. It gets me the worst then. Um, today, I, as you know, I have my, my meditation tent set up in the backyard just because we got six people in the house. Yep. Because uh, Emily and her boyfriend came down, which was a good move. There's no question about it. But We've been in here four and a half weeks now. Right. How is that even possible how the time goes by? Yeah. Um, and we have a good time together, and, and we do wasteful things like make puzzles and play a lot of cards. But I just think the fact that everybody, everybody, unbelievably, is getting along pretty well is a gift of its own. And you're talking about, you know, 
folks that are lucky enough to have the rent paid and have a decent amount of food around. I mean, what percentage of people do you think are in that boat in this country? It can't be more than 20 that are really, you know, at least for this first month, not waiting for that money to show up. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you're not in that situation, and I hope I'm not trying to sound like I'm bragging or anything, we're not, you know, we're not here printing money or anything. And I literally, if I can find a uh, a bag of flour that's twenty two pound bag for uh, for fifteen dollars, I'm scooping them up. Right. I have no idea how it's going to go. So we really are sort of stockpiling. Hopefully, it won't be necessary. But when you see things like food shortages, which I think we were predicting two weeks ago, um, it could get out of hand in a hurry. And yep. that really weighs heavy day and night, because just what you said. And I, Especially with a lunatic in charge, who knows what the fuck's going to happen next yeah, week. Yeah, and I think one of the important things is to, um, is to really just focus on the moment, because ultimately, you know, this is true in all of life, but particularly so right now. So much of anxiety, fear, concerns come from being stuck in the past or projected into a future you can control. So to when you feel that coming on and of course it's not productive because it's like okay so you're gonna worry about three months from now and you have absolutely nothing you can do about it right now yep there's no you can't even predict it and start making plans because there's really you don't have the elements to predict it then it's really just time to focus on the right here right now because that's the one where you can avoid all the mental traps of spinning in circles and doing all that so I think for the sake of mental health, finding things to distract you, to play with, to enjoy today, yeah. I think it's pretty much the only way to go. Because, you know, anytime my mind wanders in the future, yeah, I'm not seeing it incredibly well. Like, it's uh, um, it's all to be seen whether, you know, as the time that we record right now, it's all to be seen whether you do build immunity to it or not, or if you can catch it a second time. It's all to yep. be seen if a vaccine will work and when, assuming that it's a yes. It's all to be seen whether the virus mutate or not. You know, there are so many variables that can turn this into a relatively, you know, not as big as the hype hints kind of thing or monstrously bad and everything in between. And sadly, most of, most of the things you just mentioned not great news on any of those fronts. They're saying in Thailand they have people catching the virus from bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the Swiss company that says they've got at least 50 mutations already, which, granted, they constantly mutate, but sure. good lord. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the mutation could actually be a good thing if it reduced the lethality, which is something the viruses do fairly often, but it could yeah. also go the other way. So there's, again, no way to predict it. Yeah, it's a trip, man. It's a really weird, um, you know, if you don't do well with uncertainties, this is definitely the time to learn how. What do you think about guns in the house? Because I think about it more and more. I mean, especially in a society where everybody's got one. Yeah, if you live in the U.S., it's probably not a bad idea to be the only one without. Um, Yeah. Depends where Uh, you live. My my slingshot's not going to be that impressive when people come rolling in. You know, heavy. Yeah, and that's that's a terrible. Let's let's skip that. I, I, let me switch it to another thought. I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't even. I but that's I definitely think about it all the time now. And it's funny. You could get a pretty decent shotgun for two hundred dollars, right? Six weeks ago. Yep. 
And even like the base models are four to six hundred now. It's just gouging everywhere. Anyway, like I said, changing subject. At this exact moment, one year ago, Gretchen and I were over the Pacific Ocean heading to Maui. Right. Yeah, that's a lot better. That's. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is something that even six months ago nobody would have seen coming. You know, so it's a whole other yeah. gig. But um, I'm thinking, you know, it's a three hundred dollars round trip to Maui right now. And I think you have to go into quarantine for a bit, but if things don't get different quickly, we're considering just going and staying and see what happens. Right. The, um, you know, I, I could 10 bar for the rest of my days and be perfectly happy. Yeah, I, I was talking with somebody who was on a flight yesterday, and I'm like, man, flying right now? Eey, that's a sketch. It's a really sketchy proposition. I would bring my own oxygen tank in a bubble. <laughs> Right, just being like uh, like a scuba diver, pretty much. I'm sure they would love that, a pressurized tank on their airplane. Yeah, They'd yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that. what they let you do, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. No, oh, um, the garden moves on, strangely enough, as in another thing we didn't expect, no straw bales available this year, because the way the rain came, like late, when normally they would harvest, Right. Um, you can't harvest that straw in the rain, and you know how it's just kind of hit and miss around here. And a lot of folks will say, well, because it needs to kind of lay down in the dry air for at least two days right. before you bundle it. Because it's uh, even when you bundle it after that, there's always a possibility that shit could catch on fire if you stack it too tight. Yeah, so this is... Um... It, needs, it needs a couple of days to breathe and it needs some days and it just is all falling wrong. And there's no straw available out here. Which is just shocking. In the part of the world um, where we are at, there's definitely there's been a lot more rain than usual, which is nice in the sense of stuff will grow. You know, Southern California is you know prime drought area. Yep. But yeah, it's been rainy until you know we're now deep into April and it still has been raining until the other day. So it's pretty different from usual. I don't ever remember rain in April. Do you like this? Maybe one or two, but just two weeks. Yeah, yeah. This, This was a lot for sure. Um, seems to be gone now. I think summer is starting out here, which again, for many other places yep. where people are listening, is probably there's still snow on the ground and stuff. So it's a very for different sure. setup. But I think you know one topic that um, we touched on last, we touched on about last time, and we touched on about it before because to me is one of those topics that I think you know if you pay attention to the way the world is designed, to the way we operate as a society is one of the things that we seem to have been failing with before this thing hits. And this, uh, the virus hitting is just shining a bright spotlight on it even more so. But two topics that in my mind are deeply interrelated that will need to be addressed, that will need to change. And of course, you know, I don't have the perfect plan of how to make that happen. I very much see the this is an area that needs paying attention to, not a precise plan of how that would work. But I think the two interrelated topics that are going to be huge are, on one level, work. You know, the way way work is designed, it was built for a pre-internet world where you had to go to the office and be there X number of hours a day. Now, there are plenty of jobs that do require a physical presence. There's no argument. You know, there's no substituting and no, you know, you just can't. You can't build a building without construction workers. Yeah, exactly. You know, some stuff is physical. There's no argument. You need, and a lot of it is. But there's also a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that is not. 
that is uh, office work that realistically can be done from anywhere with an internet connection. I think it's very important when things will start opening up again and with the word uh, reassume a semblance of normalcy, that we don't go back to what it was before in regard to that kind of work, yeah. but that people develop strategies to allow people to work from anywhere. And to have, you know, weekly goals, you know, you need to get this stuff done on a daily or weekly basis. As long as you get this stuff done, we're in business. If you don't get this stuff done, then we got a problem. And, you know, warning one, warning twice, but then you're not cut for the job if you just can't discipline yourself to stick to it unless you have somebody watching over you in an office eight hours a day. That makes perfect sense for sure. How do you, how do you think, what do you think about this college experience though? Because... I've got three college students in my house right now, and they hate the online stuff. Yeah, they I mean... Really, all three like being in class, and it's just probably more the interaction with the nice girls. But still, they're just to me, uh, I just can't imagine it's nearly as easy to stay focused on the teacher when he's on a laptop screen. Yeah, college is tricky, because we are in a situation where it's... Uh, I mean, can you get your some classes done that way? Sure. You can. Is it a fun or is it a good idea or is it desirable? Not that much. So it's, uh, again, it depends on we. I think that one I would be kind of 50-50 where I'm like, look, if you need to do it because you work 37 jobs or you have 15 kids or you have whatever, sure. I think the option of having stuff online is great. But to make it the way of the future, considering that we already live in a society with so little human interaction, uh, that's not ideal. Let's put it that way. That's, uh, you know, one of the big advantages of colleges is that you meet other people more than anything else, more than being in the classroom. Now, there may be ways around it. You know, there may be things to do that are, you don't have to be living there for eight, nine months of the year taking classes in person. But maybe you can do things where you have a two-week intensive or twice a year where you live there, you meet these people, you have classes with them. you hang- So you still meet other human beings, but maybe in a more concentrated fashion. This is what I mean about I don't have the details down. You know, what I think is there are ways to rethink it and there are experiments to be done in that regard to rethink how we can design it. Because the advantage of it is that if you don't have, if you're not physically tied to a job or to anything else for that matter, then you can live anywhere you want. Yep. You know, the whole thing that you have to pay insane money to be in that one city because that's where the jobs are, well, that no longer applies if the job can be done from anywhere. And so rather than having this super concentrated population in, uh, in big cities and that's it, you can also have... Uh, Uh, a more dispersed population in different parts of the country, in places where rent and land is not expensive and all of that stuff. I think that's a delightful plan. I think a lot of folks would be happy to get behind that because there definitely are lessons. I'm interested to see how long you think it'll be till we uh, see anybody at a baseball game or anything like that. That, Yeah. Because what they're talking is like a massive sort of level of testing where... You literally get your temperature taken as you're going through the turnstiles. Well, which doesn't really matter. I mean, all, even at the airport, they take your temperature. Yeah, that's great for the people who are super deeply sick. But considering right. that you are asymptomatic for two weeks and you're not going to have a temperature or symptoms or anything and you can still be passing it on to everyone else, 
it seems to be really just like sticking your finger in the dam that's breaking, you know, it's like, that doesn't really solve the issue at all, not with this virus. No, it doesn't fix it one bit, does it? No, it's like, okay, you you just avoided the 5% of people who, despite being super sick, they would show up anyway. Carried their asses where they don't need to be. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. That's insane. I think a, a world without concerts and getting to see a ball game once in a while, that just sounds torturous. Yeah. Might... I did enjoy, did you see the NBA actually had a three-point contest with camera crews at different people's private basketball courts at their houses? Oh, I did see it. That's funny. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah, Vegas, sure. get, Vegas had at least something to bet on, finally. Yeah, no, I, I mean... those guys are hurting. Yeah, in my case, <laughs> uh, one thing that I'm very unhappy about is the idea of a world without jujitsu is just making me sad and yeah. you know clearly that's the one activity you know you're in each other's face all the time it's like if there's a prime vehicle for transmission other than uh, uh having sex with somebody that's pretty much it you know it's like you're right in each other's face the entire time yeah so yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you see that uh, Vince McMahon and company uh, had a wrestling tournament in Florida a couple days ago? Yeah, yeah, I saw. That's crazy. Yeah, so there's that. There's So all of this stuff is very bizarre. But I I really think, like, in terms of uh, redesigning the future, there are a few key areas to think of. Certainly the work online situation. And I think some of it, you know, the resistance to this stuff, because, I mean, realistically, we could have started doing it 20 years ago. Right, yeah. you know, by the year two thousand, there was enough internet going around. Let alone just a few years later, I think part of it there's this uh, hazing culture, like, hey, I had to spend thirty years in an office, eight hours a day, so why should you be able to work from home with wherever you want? If I suffered, you need to suffer too, which is not the most productive thing in the world, you know. No. I think that has a lot to do with the, the student loans. Like I paid for it when it was nineteen dollars in the sixties. Why shouldn't you pay nineteen thousand now? You get that attitude too. It's very strange. Yeah, which we I, don't seem to be on each other's side very often. No, exactly. I don't get it. It's like who cares? You know, I've already. It's not that it lessens my suffering if somebody doesn't have to go through it. It's like okay, pat on the back for me for having it done. That's it. You know, yep. it would be so valuable to this millennial generation. Yeah, it's they like, don't deserve it. Yeah, why would you want to add that same bullshit to somebody else? No. But in any case, that just... You'll humans... have a mortgage soon enough to torture them with. Then they can enjoy that. Yeah, humans are shitty when they behave like that. But, you know, hopefully... So let's keep that one in mind. So, But yeah, retransforming work is essential. You know, switching to online to give people more flexibility. It's huge. Uh, with that, the secondary thing that's it's kind of tied together. There are two topics tied together. There are one that we touch on. We've touched on ad nauseum over and over, but it seems more applicable today than ever before is the food situation. You know, the yep. fact that becoming... And I'm not saying that becoming self-sufficient. I mean, compared to where most people live today to becoming self-sufficient is such a humongous jump that's like yeah that's not going to happen anytime soon but to becoming partially self-sufficient to have that for people to have enough of a little plot of land where they can have uh, if 40 percent of their groceries 50 percent of their groceries came from their backyard that would be huge 
It would be incredible. Yeah. Why doesn't, you know, can you imagine like five chickens would take care of four people quite well? Right. The season is usually a singular one, but even then, you can grow enough tomatoes to can some so that you'll have some through the winter. Uh, and, you know, what's more delightful than even five or six cucumbers a week all through the summer? I mean, these yeah. things, they're not going to make you rich, but no. it's something you don't have to buy. And you know how it was grown. Yeah. That's a really important thing. So you have yeah, yeah. high quality food that comes straight from yep. your garden. You don't have to spend money for it. And so not only is good stuff for you, but on top of it all, again, in times of uncertainty, all you got to do is just walk out in your backyard. That makes a huge difference. Now, if that could be done, and so that's a huge area of, you know, and, and this is clearly, you know, it doesn't work in a situation where everybody lives super concentrated in the city in, within a few blocks. But if you can start spreading people around, and I mean, even close to a city, it doesn't mean you have to be living in the middle of nowhere or somewhere in the boonies. You know, if you live even like two hours from the city, so you can still go and get stuff done. But it's more spread out so that you can have uh, the little bit of land around your house where you can plant stuff, where you can, you know, redesign it more in that sense to be a little more friendly to that setup. That would be huge in terms of... a great of, plan. Yeah. And tied to that, if I may add one more element to the whole situation, is the community idea. You know, I'm big on the notion of uh, sort of creating modern-day villages, you know, where people that you dig, people that you like, if I have my plot of land over here, yours over there, our friend in the other corner, and so on, and you have suddenly, you know, 30 people living, not like a hippie commune where, you know, everything is shared and it tends to go to shit real quick. You know, you each have your spot, but you live relatively close to one another, you can cooperate with one another. So, you know, from a uh, daily mundane thing to you got the chicken, I got the tomato kind of thing. Yeah. And also to the, um, just, you know, if things turn out bad for a while, boom, you can close the gate. Now you got uh, 30 to 50 people that you socialize with. You can still do a lot of things with. You can train, you can hang out, you can have parties, you can work together. And because you are essentially mostly cut off minus the internet from the rest, you know, rather than doing your social distancing with two people in the house, you do it with 30 people in a small community. That's a very different feeling to the whole thing. There's a much more sense of continuity with life and you feel less cut off from everything else. As long as the as the village next door doesn't get jealous, then it, then there'd be battles. Right, things would get out of hand. Exactly. But that's that's you know it was like that for two hundred thousand plus years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, there are downsides to it, right? You know, sometimes the you grow up in the, you know, if you grow up if you are some poor bastard who grow up in like the ultra fundamentalist village of the new David Koresh <laughs> kind of thing, you dream to be in a city in a more anonymous scenario where you go to school, you disappear from the house for a few hours, you know, that would be, so it's not to say that there are no problems and that's what I'm saying. This is not a simple, easy, listen to me, mention the two, three big areas that need change, and here is my three steps process to make it happen, and we'll all live happily ever after. These are ultra-complicated things. And each thing that we change will create at least 
12 different changes that we don't anticipate and some of those are good and some of those are not so again i'm not saying i got it all figured it out this is the vision for the new world and this is what we should all do i'm just saying these are the areas that we need to figure out and yes i have some ideas for it that's as far as it goes you know i guess we gotta see how it plays out before it can do anything as always that's just where we're at yeah it's just weird to be stuck in a moment where i don't know maybe it was just silly of us all to be so blind to the possibility because obviously there have been scientists hard at work you know on the search for this and knowing what was going to happen yeah but we sort of just blindly just skip along la-di-da and um amazing that there are folks out there protesting the stay-at-home statutes like somehow their liberties are being tromped upon and i got I got somebody upset when I was saying, you know, if these churches want to gather together and infect each other, that's that's great. Let them do it. Right. But I don't really worry about those folks. If they're foolish enough to behave foolishly like that and they want to catch that virus, that's terrible. But that is their prerogative. It's the fact that they would mix back into their community and spread it far and wide to folks that, you know, are trying to do a safe job. That's well, where, and I think that's I think where you have the, a little bit of you know thought for somebody else. But if you're bathed in the blood of Jesus, you don't seem to give a fuck about anybody else. And I think that's where the village idea kicks in because you know if all thirty of you living in those plots of land all agree on that plan, by all means, have at it, you know. But because yep. you end up sharing it with those thirty people who all signed up for it. The problem is when you don't, and you suddenly are passing it along to a bunch of people who did not sign up for it, so your individual, quote-unquote, freedom choice, you make somebody else pay for it. And that's clearly less than ideal. <laughs> and, you know, I understand, though, I, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, I understand the pain. It's like, hey, man, what the hell, you know, we are, you cannot shut down the world's economy for too long before people starve before everything goes to shit before and i get it you know i understand that's why this situation is both unique weird disconcerting and people are gonna freak out one way or another and and it's very hard to figure out what the right you know right now there are no solutions in sight you know, it's like any no. solution that you can advocate right now is not a solution. It's not something that is because we don't have the means to stop the virus. We don't have the means to fix it. It's very complicated at the moment, for sure. There's there's so many questions right now that what really is necessary? I mean, definitely medical is necessary and we do want to have an education program and we definitely need agriculture for folks to eat at this current moment. But with all of a sudden 30, 40, 60 million people out of work just over a month, you know, as long as there's somebody checking the, the gauges on the nuclear power plant and keeping the lights on and the sewers going, there really isn't much for the rest of us to do because it all seems to be generating money out of just foolish consumption that we don't really need. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, now, let's be... I saw the other day... Um, a video some amazon worker saying hey you know we need to cut down on some of the stuff we're doing here we need to have only the essential items being sold not the non-essential stuff and he was complaining about these surging sales of dildos 
And he was like, come on, <laughs> dildos are not essential items. And I'm like, hey, let's not be so hasty. Oh. You know, he's yeah. like. I guess there would be an argument. I um, I fully think that's essential. Yeah, you yeah. You don't want so the ladies um, pent up or the gentleman, whoever's buying it. Right. If it's what you like, you're going to need one. That's yeah. essential. It's it's mental health in times of hard stress. So <laughs> let's <laughs> not be. release button. Yeah, let's not be hasty about the not essential part. But, um, yeah, so, I don't know, man. I think it's uh, these topics that we're touching on, I think they are part for a very long, uh, ongoing conversation. Because these are not... I mean, these were things that we are talking about a year or two years or three years ago. You know, the community aspect was there. The food thing we talked about. The uh, not being tied to a slave work in an office. All of these were things we were talking about. Um, these because I tell you one thing we we weren't talking about is somebody shutting down the post office or giving it to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that's that insanity. Seems to be yeah, a terrible, insane plan. I mean, nobody ever mentions that the I think it was two thousand six or that seems about right. They passed some insane thing where the post office had to have like seventy years forward of pension money set aside for their employees yeah which is just madness if you're going to do that to them let's do it to everybody you know i don't think ford could afford to do that and that's the thing that gets them in so much trouble but they don't get any taxpayer money they are self-funded and the reason they're always you know having to scrape by is because this giant you know you got to pay 70 years and i think there was a plan all along but someone who could put a good rant out about the post office if you live in one of these places where you can only get the mail by air or by boat, yep. they do it. Everybody, and I do believe it's in the Constitution. I think the post office is in the Constitution. I'll have to double check that. Don't know. But why would you possibly want to do away with it? I know people love to bitch and moan about the post office, but their success rate for me has definitely been high in the 99 percentile. I mean, I, I can only think of a few times that things got lost or didn't show up. It really is an impressive, amazing endeavor with folks that don't get paid what they should, but sort of have a, they feel like they have a duty. You know, the mail must get through and they work hard to do it. And you're going to steal all that away. So somebody could charge you three times as much and be like, oh, you live over the river. You live in a little town that's only accessible by air. We're not delivering to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if we're going by business sense, it's like, no, we're not going to deliver to something where it costs us more in uh, gas than it does to deliver to you. And the thing is, like, when people are on the privatization train on that stuff, I mean, I don't know. I remember once I I had a UPS close to me, so I went there first to check something. And I was trying to send, uh, I think it may have been one of our t-shirts that, you know, we're selling. I think back then it was like $20 or something. And, Uh you know, the margin is already so small that, you know, by the time you pay for shipping and this and that, you know, you're not exactly making bank on it. But suddenly to send (laughs) a t-shirt across the country, rather than being the three, four, five dollars, whatever the post office charge around four something, it was something like $15. And yeah. I was like, are you guys insane? You're really asking me $15 to send that? T- like, if that's the case, in order to even make it work, we would have to sell a t-shirt for like $45, which is insane yep. because, again, then who the hell wants to buy, you know, you buy four t-shirts in your life and 
spray, you know, and start patching holes real quick because that's insanity. So well, not these fine t-shirts. These Duncan Dallas t-shirts will last you a long time. And <laughs> that's you correct. Scoop them up while you can before the zombies get here. So but, that uh, I digress. <laughs> so yeah, but that's the thing, right? It's like that's the insanity of this privatization th- idea. That is like not everything works best when it's privatized. I tell you that much. I'm gonna use the dangerous word. It's very socialist for us to run the post office this way, but by everybody sharing and everybody, you know, paying their forty-seven cents for a stamp or whatever it's up to now. Yes, it might cost three dollars to get that mail to that little spot in Alaska, but because everybody's paying the same amount, we're able to do that, and it doesn't matter, and everybody's getting the same service. What's wrong with that? And why is the Internet not treated that way? Shouldn't folks in Appalachia be off these dial-ups by now? But they don't seem to care. Well, and on the socialist thing and the criticism of it all, I think the issue is if... uh I'll take the criticism, I'll accept that, about uh, I want to be independent, I want to be kind of a more individualistic take. I accept that from somebody who has their own homestead and they are 110% self-sufficient. You know, then you can be your own island. But if you're not, and your idea of being self-sufficient is because you are making money, you're completely dependent on an economy that can change at any second for any reason. You know, you still yep. go out to the grocery store and the day when, yeah, grocery store workers decide they don't work because it's too dangerous, you're just shit out of luck. And suddenly you are in need of all those things that only a state can provide. So my thing is, I'm not a fan of the state. I understand how state, you know, every government on earth is monstrously you know, there's corruption involved, there's mismanagement, there waste. are ten waste, yes. there are ten thousand wrong things with them. So I'm not saying, yay, the state is so cool, governments are wonderful, far from it. At the same time, if what you advocate is this more anarchist, uh, completely on your own type of thing, then it should be on your own. Then you should, you know, again, if you are on a farm with your own homestead and everything you get, you get from your own plot of land i accept that argument but if you are not you are benefiting from a model in which there is a degree of uh, economic management that comes from a state and so then i find it really weird to have this libertarian argument where you're really part of a system that's not at all well isn't that the hope for humanity to move forward doing it by yourself and churning your own butter for the rest of time if that's all you want, I guess it's fine, but, you know, I thought we would have taken some step forward in my lifetime, and it feels like it's sliding backwards. I think that's what bothers me the most. No, but, you know, that one uh, at least I would accept because it's coherent. It's just like, okay, you know, you, you have a philosophy of life, and you're sticking to it, and those are your values, and so you make choices accordingly. Okay, it flies. Not everybody needs to live that lifestyle. It's you're, you're coherent with it. But if it's not... No, I, I, I welcome that. They're pers- perfectly welcome to be that way. I'm just saying, as a species, yeah. you know, don't don't we need each other's input? And, you know, those guys are great at the virus scientists, and these guys are great at figuring out communications. It's, we're tribe, tribal creatures, and we need that community. Now that it's on this massive seven and a half, eight billion person scale, that definitely leaves a lot more room for people to fall through the cracks and things to fall apart, but... I think putting our efforts together is the only way we do fix it. 
right. unless it's going to fall all the way. That's yep. just my notion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, um, let's switch away from the apocalypse and redesigning society into something more. How about, more- how about redesigning my backyard? Because uh, certain of our favorite plants went into the ground yesterday. That is, yeah, speaking of food self-sufficiency, that's a very good one. You'll have to teach me well, the goods because, you, you know, I keep talking a big... Eat, you, could, you could eat this, but um, you could probably have more fun doing something else with what we put in yesterday, legally in California. Yeah, well, I mean, so, that's nice, thing. but no, right now I'm heavy on food. I'm just like, that's where it's at. I want to, and, you know, and that's the thing. is like I talk a lot about it because I think it's important, but I grew up, you know, I grew up in a city. I've never fucking seen a seed into the ground. I live in an apartment in a concrete jungle all growing up where, you know, the maximum of nature I see was the basil plant on the, on the balcony. You know, there is nothing. It's concrete everywhere. So even the idea of having a backyard for me is like this new, crazy, wild experience. You know, first time I ever saw squirrels in my life, I was like, wow, that's like the wildest animal I've ever seen. (laughs) So, you know, I understand that it's like for me, I want to learn all this stuff, but I don't know shit about it. You know, I'm... Well, we'll get you started for sure. And I'm super excited about the idea of the planter's boxes. That's a fine way to go for yep. sure. Well, um, especially if there's... the one you selected might be a little smaller in person because eight feet is not that long. Right. For what we were looking at. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'll send you some pictures so you can see the ones we built. They're about, I think those are nine or ten feet. But Sweet. Ten by three, I think. And uh, they were easy to put together and it was fun. And you, you put a little, like chicken wire along the bottom to kind of keep varmints from growing up underneath and nice. um put some nice soil in there man and it'll grow like crazy i'm um, a fan of that yeah, we're still learning too but having everything sprouted we're putting broccolini which is like asian broccoli nice and purple cauliflower and bok choy because all those things need to be up and grown and they're um they're 50 days away from harvesting right now so just as it starts to get really crazy hot in june oh it's gonna uh, be nice after the after the May Gray, sweet. Um, we'll be eating those, and that's you know, that's six weeks. That's awesome, man. I like it. I uh, I think again, a little is better than nothing. So you know, start with whatever you can and learn small, and then grow from there, for sure. Well, I have a. Um, it's more of a guide for growing weed, but it would work for anything for folks that. This is for the straw bale stuff, which we're having problems with right now. But I will happily send it out to anybody who wants it. So, Sweet. hit me up at uh, at uh, Richiemon at Gmail, the Richiemon at Gmail dot com, and I'll send you my little guide to uh, straw bale gardening because so far so good. I love it. So send it to me too. I'm. Uh, I I need to see all you'll, the goods. You'll get yours right after we're done. Perfect. Probably. Probably good to have somebody else read it, but yeah, my pal Will, I sent it to him last year. That man, his backyard looked like a Peter Tosh album cover by the end of the season. That he so outgrew cool. us, and we learned things from him, and that's what I love the most about it. Like we have been a lot of chatter before we got started this year about you know switching up organic fertilizer and things like that. But he was always heavier on it. I was always afraid from experiences we'd had way back in Tennessee that you over fertilize, you'll burn everything. Right, and um. So we were kind of shy on it, but you can give it a little bit. I don't know. There's so many angles to it. Maybe that's a whole separate podcast one day. Yep. <laughs> that's where we learn the specifics, for sure. Welcome guess, to Bolelli's beautiful backyard. Yeah, in the meantime, in the Bolelli life, so one thing that has changed clearly is that since now uh, 
you know, universities are closed. I no longer have access to the university library. So doing research for History on Fire has just become a lot more difficult, more expensive and more everything. Because, you know, one thing I've always done is I don't want to, like, I just moved, right? No, so I've been spending the last few days logging heavy boxes up and down a hill and carrying shit. And I just lifted probably thousands of pounds of stuff in the last few days. <laughs> and so books are one of those genre that already many years ago I basically stopped buying. I'm like, I cannot justify putting another book. I have to step out of the house if I get another book because there's no more space. Yeah. And so, you know, there's the occasional new book that I'll get because I really, 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 really love and I'll read it multiple times. But most anything, what I do is I go to the library, get them, read them, <clears throat> take very detailed notes. Like I have a couple of Word files in my computer that are like okay. 600 pages each, single space, because they are extensive notes I've taken on the books I've read over the last few years. I love books. And, and, you know, and then I give back the books, so I have all the info. When I want to find the info, I just do a word search. It pops up in my file, and I don't need to have the physical books in my house no more. It's cheap. I don't have to, actually, I don't have to spend any money because I just got them from the library. It just put in the time, give it back, that's it. Now, clearly, that's not an option. So for History on Fire, if I want to research, I have to order on Amazon, buy them, so spend the money and then have physically the book and all of that stuff. And in many cases with history books, they are not books I want to read ever again because they are tedious, <laughs> they are nasty, they are boring. You know, it's my job to make it fun at the end. But the process of slogging through most of the things is painful. You know, recently I did an episode that was um, on this one uh, ranger unit during World War II that operated behind enemy lines and saved a bunch of POWs in the Philippines. There's a book called Ghost Soldiers. Now, that's an awesome book. It's supremely well-written. It's engaging. You're at the edge of your seat. It's wonderful. That's not the way most history books are written. Most history books are tedious as hell. And so, <laughs> you know, buying them and diving them is like, that's not really what I want. But, you know, this is what I got to do. So these are there's not too many options. But here is what I have on the horizon for History on Fire, so check it out. This is the plan for... I finished the first year with Luminary. Now, year two should look like this. I have wow. one episode that seems rather appropriate about the Dancing Plague. I think we mentioned it in a previous episode. <laughs> you know, Dancing so some Plague more is books, a crazy Some more books showed one. up on the subject out there? Yeah, it seems appropriate. Uh... Then I have a three-part series on the Taiping Rebellion, you know, crazy guy having visions that is Jesus' younger brother and is sent to China to cleanse China from all the demons. He starts a civil war that will lead to the death of 20 million people in the mid-1800s in China. Wow. Wild, wild, wild story. I finish recording it, will be releasing it in the coming weeks. Three-part series. <clears throat> I'm really happy with it. It came out came out super well. Then I'm going to I'm currently researching and I'm gonna be doing one about sex in ancient Rome. So a lot more disturbing than the title may imply, because those guys were freaks not in a good way. It's a very, <laughs> very rapey culture with 
you know, hierarchy and dominance and some really weird shit that I would rather not have associated with sex, but, you know, in any case. So that one is coming out. Talk, talk about some terrible hazing. Yeah, that's just not fun. Then we got... Uh, what else do I have on the horizon? I'm planning a multi-part series, probably three parts, I'm guessing, on John Brown. You know, guy who essentially plays a huge role into bleeding Kansas and the fight in between abolitionists and uh, slaveholders. <clears throat> this state is ours. Yeah, right before the Civil War, so super interesting one. I'm going to have one... Uh, um, one I'm gonna call the long ripples of history and if everything pans out well I mean the theme is simple is things that didn't seem like a big deal when they first happened that ended up having a huge historical impact and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna mention three, four, five of these things sort of as a hey can you believe that that happened and then I'm gonna have people from other podcasts if everything works out correctly, the lineup should be Daryl Cooper from Martyr Maid. Uh, we'll have, uh, you know, the host. Some of the other folks will be from Dangerous History, from Inward Empire, Arfic History, and History Impossible, which are all really fun history podcasts. They'll all do a small, like, 10 to 20 minute thing. So we make it a highlight of various podcasters jumping in and doing their thing on this topic, which I think should be fun. That's a cool idea. Then, uh, what do I have coming up? There's a story of this one guy who escaped slavery in the 1700s, ran off to England, married a white woman and became a pro boxer. I'm hoping that the sources hold on and there's enough information on him because that's a badass story. Uh, I think with that we are at I want to say 10 episodes, so I think that's a good chunk of the year. I think the last five I'll have to see, but definitely on the horizon there's a series about Bruce Lee that I badly want to do. There's one about um, American intervention in El Salvador in the 1980s, which is a charming tale. Um, and is, then, that, is that when the, the Iran-Contra stuff is going crazy? Yeah, yeah. There's that. in El Salvador to fight? I mean, that one, the contrast were in uh, Nicaragua, but yeah, it's it's still the same idea, you know, the politics of the Cold War in Latin America and yeah. all the weirdness that that entailed. So yeah, there's that. Uh, the other ones, you know, this is later in the year, so I'm less set in stone about it. There are a few, you know, I'm working with my dad on an idea about covering the monster of Florence, the serial killer, um, you know touching on a few different possibilities but this is sort of what the this next year more or less look like you know there may be a couple of changes in the lineups but that's roughly what i'm looking for wouldn't it be crazy if you ended up doing one about let's say a certain large state started referring to itself as a nation state right and was bidding alliances together with its fellow coastal friends and at the same time Perhaps New England did the same thing. At the very same moment, a serpent president is um, screaming and yelling that he's got complete and total authority. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, the state versus federal gig, that's a big one. Whew. Now, it's now funny. Where well, would the states' rights people go? Where would they be then? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, in fact, it's always fun to see cognitive dissonance at work. That's always a trippy thing. The, it is weird to be living in a moment that will be... You know, this one's going to make the history books. Oh, no yeah. question about that. Yep, 
for sure. And hopefully it turns out into a happy tale because right now it could go either way. It's funny, Dan Carlin, in his new episode, he had a cool notion that when you talk about kind of the, you know, the Industrial Revolution, that was over, you know, decades and decades. But everybody kind of feels like somebody just flipped a switch. He was talking about the information age. He feels it started pretty much with radio and it's just erupted from there. Right. So in the history books in 500 years, it'll be like, oh, and then the radios, TVs, computers, satellites all showed up, not realizing, you know, that's an 80-year span for that stuff to sort of weave its way into our everyday lives. Right. Um, I, I thought that was fascinating. Yep. And here we are in the middle of it again. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. So it's... Um... It's a trippy scenario. Yeah, the whole uh, course of living in interesting times is not a fun one right now. No, I used to love that quote. Now I don't think I like it so much. No, definitely <laughs> not. Oh, let's give uh, on the more mundane aspects of life. We got a digital mailbag question that seems rather appropriate to drama and dealing with. So this is one of the things that a lot of people at one point or another deal with which is the you married somebody that turns out that it worked great at the beginning maybe, but it does not go work out down the road. People change, their worst qualities become more predominant, your whatever made you click is not quite as exciting anymore, the stuff that doesn't make you click become progressively more important. In this particular case, this listener is married to a lady who's like, uber ultra super jealous to the point of like control freak kind of extreme weirdness but you know in some way it doesn't even matter is if you don't click you don't click if you're unhappy you're unhappy you know you tried a few things they don't work you try for months you try even for years and it's still you are miserable in the relationship run for the hills now of course run for the hills is easier said than done when you have kids and when kids are, you know, when kids are little, then you have a long time that you're going to have to deal with this person. And unless the relationship is somewhat cordial, this could get ugly. Never mind all the technical, legal complications of like, who gets custody? How much time do you get to see your kids? So, and this, unfortunately, is where you have to buy the bullet and really talk to a lawyer and figure out what the options are. Yep. Part one. And part two, you have to buy the bullet and be the nicest possible human to the other person that you can. Because while divorce is never fun, an ugly divorce can make everybody's life miserable, both parties involved as well as the kids. So I think now some people are not gonna play ball some people are gonna decide that if you're not with them their mission in life is to make your life miserable and it doesn't to hell with the price if even if it makes them miserable or their kids it's worth it just long as they can hurt you yeah you're that's a bad setup but if you can find any conceivable way to reason with this person in a way that is like appeal to their own self-interest to their own uh, Let's make seeing you are not happy in this situation. I'm not happy in this situation. What can we do to make it less painful on everybody? Uh, it's only hearing only hearing one side of that story. My worry would be that there's not going to be any concessions that don't involve horrible pain. Yeah, and in fact, that's part of the problem. You know, it's like the it's a shitty situation. There is no quick fix. You know, there, there really isn't. 
So it's just a matter of reducing the amount of harm that is to be done for years to come. Because that's what it boils down to, you know. And I think, yeah. you know, in an ideal world, you got two people who are responsible and smart enough to say, look, we are no longer good for each other in a relationship. Let's see if we can be good for each other as because we are co-parenting and be decent to each other as, uh, if not friends, at least civil. And uh, and then, you know, make it the best possible for your kids so that their experience is not too shitty and traumatic. In an ideal world, both people can agree on that aspect because it seems pretty basic. Clearly, we don't live in an ideal world, so that's not always the case. But realistically, there are no other options. You know, that just that's kind of the only no, one. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think the, the children thing is definitely a killer. But is it not better to get on with your life so that you're in a better position overall and yeah you may not get to see your kids every day but would you rather be miserable around them every day or would you rather be in a better place those half time 50% or whatever it's going to be that you are around them and uh, you know just weighing it all out I think that's the better way to be yep. if I can be happy without mommy or daddy here and when you guys come see me, we're going to have a good time. We're not even going to have to deal with all that heaviness and all those bad feelings flying around. Right. All the better. Now, you yep. do have the notion that, you know, they'll probably, the, 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 the upset one will probably try to poison the well. Yeah, for sure. But life is too goddamn short. If you're miserable, you got to get out. Yep. That is my thought. And on that note, I think that was an epic effort that we made in the long-distance podcasting. And I think, is there anything else you want to add before we do our outro? Or we just wish everybody an awesome Apocalypse Survival Day? Yeah, I think everybody, you know, please keep the social distancing going, wash your hands, and be kind to each other. You know, I I know there's, there's hopefulness that this is going to be over in a couple of weeks, but I don't think there's any chance in the world, man. And I think, nope. like, the middle part of the country is about to erupt. Especially, yep. look at, have you seen South Dakota and the madness of that meatpacking place? Yeah, it's bad. Hundreds of the employees. That's going to be the entirety of the the, the Midwest. Yeah, it's because they bad. haven't done anything yet. Right. And uh, until everybody gets on the same page, we don't step forward. So there we are again. Our tribe has to uh, agree on some things. But yeah, to our to our friendly listeners, man, y'all be careful out there. Most definitely. You guys have a great one. Do I hear a sniffle? And here we go. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. I, know, I think we kept it on the up and up the best we could. There wasn't much crying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think you've got it exactly correct. We have to remain in the moment and yeah. just take good care of each other day to day because we have no idea. You know, perhaps it is getting better and wouldn't that be nice? Or perhaps it switches up to 10 and uh, we'll all be digging graves for the next five years. I would, Somebody's uh, going to make it through, I feel. Yeah, I would seriously and, um, hope uh, for the former rather than the latter. But um, Hey, I have a concept for that that I'd like to put out here, and I'm going to put it on the internet later because it's my idea. But have you ever seen these, um, you can get yourself put in a pod and planted 
under a tree. Yeah, I saw that. So that your body end up fertilizing and nourishing the tree that grows. Yeah, that's a pretty good exactly. one. I dig it. My concept is if things get crazy and this gets into the millions, yeah. we make forests out of previously clear-cut places out of those tree burial pods. Yeah, there was... Um, as the Trump National Forest. There was a... Um, Dan Carlin hardcore history episode talking about this giant battle and that uh, he concluded by saying that farmers were quite happy because the ground was so soaked with the blood that it was very fertile for many years to come. I'm not totally convinced Ventura grows so well because of the blood of the Chumash from the Spanish arrival. Yeah, right. I that hope could that's be... not true, but goddamn that... does stuff grow here. Well, we managed to avoid darkness for the whole episode. We throw it at you in the outro. But um, (laughs) now to jump back into the light, let's say thank you to the sweet folks who donated to us. Let the pottering begin. So here we go. We have Christopher Parcel, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Thomas Robinson, Ross Cranham, Luke Lambert, Andre Garapetian, Lisa Robles, Nick Zunik, Aistis Juskas, Nicola Togni, and Marcus Eurola. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us. It's deeply appreciated. If you want to join the ranks of these nice folks, uh, paypal.me forward slash dbolelli, D as in the first initial of my name. So paypal.me forward slash dbolelli, that would be the way to go. And if you are confused by how many L's there are in Bolelli, just Google it. My name will pop up with the correct spelling and life will be good. <laughs> it's B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Cool. Thanks so much, folks, for sure. Um, I guess that's about it. Yeah, it's a wrap. You guys have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. So ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo cazzo, in questo caso le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?